Welcome to Lost in Revision. All of our content is public domain, literature, fairy tales, and folklore. Our goal is to at least break even to cover our expenses. So any support that you can offer to help us reach that goal helps keep this podcast going and you entertained. All of our music is by Nathan Hubble and is used with his permission. Thanks and enjoy the show. Chapter 14. The End. Part 1. Life at the Three Chimneys was never quite the same again after the old gentleman came to see his grandson. Although they now knew his name, the children never spoke of him by it. At any rate, when they were by themselves. To them he was always the old gentleman, and I think he had better be the old gentleman to us too. It wouldn't make him seem any more real to you, would it, if I were to tell you that his name was Snooks or Jenkins, which it wasn't. And after all, I must be allowed to keep one secret. It's the only one. I have told you everything else except what I am going to tell you in this chapter, which is the last. At least, of course, I haven't told you everything. If I were to do that, the book would never come to an end, and that would be a pity, wouldn't it? Well, as I was saying, life at Three Chimneys was never quite the same again. The cook and housemaid were very nice. I don't mind telling you their names. They were Clara and Ethelwyn. But they told Mother they did not seem to want Mrs. Viney, and that she was an old muddler. So Mrs. Viney came only two days a week to do washing and ironing. Then Clara and Ethelwyn said they could do the work all right if they weren't interfered with, and that meant that the children no longer got the tea and cleared it away, and washed up the tea things and dusted the rooms. This would have left quite a blank in their lives, although they had often pretended to themselves and to each other that they hated the housework. But now that Mother had no writing and no housework to do, she had time for lessons, and lessons the children had to do. However nice the person who is teaching you may be, lessons are lessons all the world over, and at their best are worse fun than peeling potatoes or lighting a fire. On the other hand, if Mother now had time for lessons, she also had time for play, and to make up little rhymes for the three children as she used to do. She had not had much time for rhymes since she came to Three Chimneys. There was one very odd thing about these lessons. Whatever the children were doing, they always wanted to be doing something else. When Peter was doing his Latin, he thought it would be nice to be learning history like Bobby. Bobby would have preferred arithmetic, which was what Phyllis happened to be doing. And Phyllis, of course, thought Latin much the most interesting kind of lesson, and so on. So one day, when they sat down to lessons, each of them found a little rhyme at its place. I put the rhymes in to show you that their mother really did understand a little how children feel about things, and also the kind of words they use, which is the case with very few grown-up people. I suppose most grown-ups have very bad memories, and have forgotten how they felt when they were little. Of course, the verses are supposed to be spoken by the children. Peter I once thought Caesar easy pap. How very soft I must have been. When they start Caesar with a chap, he little know what that will mean. Oh, verbs are silly, stupid things. I'd rather learn the dates of kings. Bobby. The worst of all my lesson things is learning who succeeded who in all the rows of kings and queens with dates to everything they do, with dates enough to make you sick. I wish it was arithmetic. Phyllis. Such pounds and pounds of apples fill my slate. What is the price you'd spend? You scratch the figures out until you cry upon the dividend. I'd break the slate and scream for joy if I did Latin like a boy. This kind of thing, of course, made lessons much jollier. It is something to know that the person who is teaching you sees that it is not all plain sailing for you and does not think that it is just your stupidness that makes you not know your lessons till you've learned them. Then, as Jim's leg got better, it was very pleasant to go up and sit with him and hear tales about his school life with the other boys.
There was one boy, named Parr, of whom Jim seemed to have formed the lowest possible opinion, and another boy named Wigsby Minor, for whose views Jim had a great respect. Also, there were three brothers, named Paley, and the youngest was called Paley Turts, and was much given to fighting. Peter drank in all this with deep joy, and Mother seemed to have listened with some interest, for one day she gave Jim a sheet of paper on which she had written a rhyme about Parr, bringing in Paley and Wigsby by name in a most wonderful way as well as all the reasons Jim had for not liking Parr, and Wigsby's wise opinion on the matter. Jim was immensely pleased. He had never had a rhyme written expressly for him before. He read it till he knew it by heart, and then he sent it to Wigsby, who liked it almost as much as Jim did. Perhaps you may like it, too. The new boy. His name is Parr. He says that he is given bread and milk for tea. He says his father killed a bear. He says his mother cuts his hair. He wears galoshes when it's wet. I've heard his people call him Pet. He has no proper sense of shame. He told the chaps his Christian name. He cannot wicket keep at all. He's frightened of a cricket ball. He reads indoors for hours and hours. He knows the names of beastly flowers. He says his French just like Mosu. A beastly stuck-up thing to do. He won't keep cave, shirks his turn, and says he came to school to learn. He won't play football, says it hurts. He wouldn't fight with paley turts. He couldn't whistle if he tried, and when we laughed at him, he cried. Now Wigsby Minor says that Parr is only like all new boys are. I know when I first came to school I wasn't such a jolly fool. Jim could never understand how Mother had, could have been clever enough to do it. To the others it seemed nice, but natural. You see, they had always been used to having a mother who could write verses just like the way people talk, even to use the shocking expression at the end of the rhyme, which was Jim's very own. Thanks for joining us today. Check us out on Patreon. You can help us meet our small goal of breaking even and covering our expenses. Your support helps pay for all of the things that podcasting requires and helps keep this show alive and growing. If you can't afford to support us financially, go give us a good review, subscribe or follow, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to fact check us and offer suggestions to make our show better for you. You can also send us an email at lostinrevisionpodcast at gmail.com. There's a lot more waiting for us all at the end of the road.